Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s. And Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey. We created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi guys, before we get to our episode, we want to tell you about an exciting virtual charity event that we are hosting on Saturday, August 28th at 10 a.m. PST. We are partnering with the Buttercup Company for their sweet summer digital lounge series that benefits Covenant House California and the Wayfarer Foundation. Our event will be on how to support yourself with food and heal your gut. Tickets are $10 and 100% of ticket sales go to these organizations to support youth and others that are currently experiencing homelessness in California. Buttercup Company developed the Sweet Summer digital entertainment platform and campaign to give those in California experiencing homelessness the support, love, compassion, and care they need to lead fulfilling lives. Covenant House California and the Wayfarer Foundation provide shelter, food, health care, educational, and wellness opportunities that make a positive difference while showing everyone that they matter. You can find a link to purchase tickets in our show notes, and we can't wait to see you there. Now on to the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Courageous Wellness this week. Um, today, Erica and I are just going to give a little update before we get into our episode. And we are excited on this episode. We have um, Dr. Rachel Day, who is our first dermatologist on the podcast, I believe. So we're going to talk a lot about skin today. But Erica, I thought maybe before we get into learning more about her and her formal intro, just to do a quick update Um you know, as we, as we typically do with any new things that we are enjoying in our own wellness practices, um, what's going on with you? Yeah. I thought this week I would share, you know, Rachel has the most beautiful skin. Um, look her up on Instagram after this episode or while you're listening, her skin is stunning unsurprisingly. And what I loved about this episode too, is that she gives us a lot of her own tips. Like she gives us tips on how to take care of our skin in addition to so much more. But, um, she recommended this tinted sunscreen from Senti, I think is how the brand is pronounced. Um, and I bought it because (laughs) I was influenced by her beautiful skin and everything she shared. Um, but I love it. So I just wanted to share that's something that I've added to my routine after I do my skincare and it just gives you this nice tinted glow. Um, and 
yeah, it's SPF 40 and it's clean and I really enjoy it. So I also recommend it double recommend from Rachel. Um, yeah. What about you, Allie? How do you have anything you're enjoying? I'd say that's like my big thing this week. I can't think of anything else to really speak on in skincare. I really do care about my skincare routine though. And that's why I loved talking to Rachel in this conversation because taking care of your skin is such a beautiful form of self-care, I think. Yeah, that's true actually. And you know, it's funny. I was on a lovely vacation this past week with a lot of sunshine. And one thing I have been conscious of for quite a while, but Dr. Rachel uh, reinforces this in the episode is the importance of mineral sunscreen. And so, um, I've sort of kind of like laid down the law in my house. Like this is something that I'm really passionate about, especially as someone who, um, I didn't have like traditional skin cancer, but as someone who had cancer that started in my skin, uh, I just, I've always been aware and conscious of this. And I just sort of, am like no more chemical stuff. Like it, no room for it anymore. Um, and I, I would say like, I made the transition with my own personal skincare a couple years ago when I really started transitioning to using beauty counter products, which I love. And again, not a representative of don't like, we're not affiliated in any way, but I just personally really love the products. Um, and so, uh, it was funny because on vacation though, I'm, you know, now sort of like becoming the sunscreen police and enforcing my partner to wear only mineral-based sunscreen too. I love that. I love that. I, it's so funny because I, um, actually you just reminded me, I also ordered, cause she, she talks about mineral sunscreen, which I've also used now exclusively. And I did use the beauty counter one, but she recommended, which was just easier to buy. She's, she, told us in the episode that Neutrogena even has a zinc based cream. Yeah. That was just easier to buy at my local store. Um, and I picked it up. So I've been using that now. Thank you again, uh, Dr. Rachel day for all your recommendations. Clearly I was very influenced by this episode. Um, but you also have to get used to, and you just have to train yourself because mineral sunscreen, right. Makes your skin very white and you, yeah, have it to- looks like clown makeup, you know, yeah. So just like you have to just do it until you're used to it because it's so much better for you. But I also make, um, my husband, I like, and he has like arm hair and I love him, but you really have to rub in that yeah. sunscreen and, but it's worth it. You guys. So if you don't like the white, if you don't like having to really rub it in, just remember the benefits are so important that you have to do it. So, yeah, no, that's what I'm like. This is our new life now. And if it takes 10 extra minutes to rub it in, that's what it takes. Like our guys, guys, I mean, a lot of men have like more, right? Like more body hair. Yeah. Yeah. But like poor them to, but we're actually helping them. So not poor them. And this, it's not about, you know, it's, this is not about vanity. You know, this is about protecting your skin and also protecting your, you know, your bloodstream and your liver from all the chemicals that other, um, sunscreens can have in it. So, uh, yeah, just something funny, but it it definitely makes a huge difference. And there are a lot of brands to just kind of to speak of this that are now maybe traditionally did not have mineral sunscreen available, but are producing mineral sunscreens. Like even Sunbum has Mm -hmm. one with just zinc oxide in it. And we've been using that because, 
it is a little cheaper than like, they can be a little bit more expensive. Um, but again, cause like I love, I love beauty counter. Um, but they don't sell it in stores. Right. So when I needed on my last trip, I was like, Oh, I mean, if you need to grab something. Yeah. Yeah. I grabbed it and there it was. So yeah, that was cool. Cause I wasn't even aware. I really thought I was like, Oh, I have to order online or I have to order specialty products, but exactly what you're saying. And what Rachel was really able to enlighten us on, or at least enlighten yeah. me on. Cause I didn't know was yeah. These commercial brands are now because the market is demanding it. Yeah. Creating clean products. So yeah. That was so cool. just look to make sure, just look for, um, active when you're looking for the active ingredients, it's uh you want to see zinc or titanium dioxide. Yeah. But this was such a cool episode. And Rachel, we talk so much more than skincare. There's so many good skincare tips, but Rachel really shares so much about her own journey. That was just beautiful and inspiring. So do you want to get into it, Ali? Should we yes. just get her formal intro? Let's. So today we are having a conversation with Dr. Rachel Day, a board certified dermatologist with a skin health and wellness practice, One Skin Dermatology. She founded her practice to bring care back to healthcare. Under the direct care model, she offers complete skin care in a personal, approachable setting for your whole family. And it's rooted in her belief that a purposeful partnership with patients is the foundation to achieving their skin health goals. Dr. Day and her team offer a refreshing option to the traditional insurance-based system. We have an incredible conversation on dermatology and skincare, but Rachel also shares a lot about her courageous journey to open her own practice and make decisions for her family on her own terms. It's a really informative conversation and we really loved it and we hope you do too. So enjoy the episode. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. Whether you are a Patreon member in our nutrition community or a regular listener of the podcast, you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using seed for months and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am now devoted to taking seed every morning before food and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the Daily Symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic, is vegan and gluten-free, and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. In addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet, which is pretty important. Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use Courageous15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes or the link tree on Instagram. 
This episode is brought to you by our health coaching subscription service on Patreon. The Courageous Wellness Collective has expanded on Patreon to bring our listeners and clients an all-access accessible platform to educate, inform, and create nutrition and lifestyle habits to meet your personal goals. For $8.99 a month, patrons will receive weekly video content on topics ranging from blood sugar stabilization, gut health, hormone balance, energy, sleep, skin health, how to shop the grocery store, pantry staples, and much more. Included, you'll also receive access to monthly virtual webinars, recipes, and special guest content too. With this subscription, you are guaranteed at least four pieces of fresh health coaching content each month. To learn more and become a patron, visit www.patreon.com slash courageous wellness, or check out our show notes. We look forward to welcoming you to our coaching community. Welcome, Rachel. We are so excited to have you on the podcast and we are so excited to have this conversation. So thank you so much for being here today Uh, to get us started. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal journey in wellness and how it led to the work that you currently do today? Yes. Thank you guys for the invitation. So wellness is not something that was probably like most millennials um, celebrated, you know, growing up, like my mom worked outside of the home, but I don't think she ever really took enough care of herself in balancing all of the roles that she had as like work and family and really the concept growing up of like having it all left, left an imprint because I was like, it's so hard, you know, how do you live up to having it all? And so I went kind of on my own journey of trying to have it all. And I found more and more that I didn't focus enough on myself and like what it is ultimately that brought me joy and motivated me and that gave me that space to find the joy in the journey. And so arriving at certain landmarks, like, oh, this is, this is the place where all the happiness comes and where, you know, I feel incredible. Um, At one point I was kind of like, I think I need to focus on figuring out what, what I want, you know, and part of that is getting to know myself. And part of that is slowing down and um, that, you know, through my professional training, um, I, I'm a physician, I'm a dermatologist. And so in medicine, there's always, you know, the keep going, the keep going, the keep going. And the focus on self-care really is very recent, uh, especially in medical trainees. I'm not that far out of residency. I finished in 2017 and it was a conversation that was just really starting to happen about burnout and, you know, mental health and stress and anxiety and the effects that that has over the long term on, on yourself. So, you know, that, that period of time was when I first was really like, okay, I have to prioritize all of the giving and the caring that I'm doing for others and make sure that I'm finding that space to focus some attention and listen to how I'm feeling and what are the things that help me feel better to be able to give and to be able to serve. So I would say that, that residency really sort of like nailed it for me where 
you know, you, you can't do it all. And so you have to be very purposeful in making sure that you're caring for yourself as you're caring for others. Yeah, I think probably a lot of, I think women can relate to that, especially if they're in some sort of professional capacity. And um, it's interesting you speak also to the medical world that only in the last few years, the community has embraced this idea, even for physicians through the grueling sort of aspect of medical school and then residency. Um, You know, I have friends who are physicians who are still you know, working kind of crazy hours. It depends, I guess, on what, you know, what sort of field you're in, but um, especially through COVID overnight shifts, you know, and it's like, oh, but they don't get to sleep or, you know what I mean? And it's like these things, but that can be the sort of the culture that um, gets perpetuated. And it's like, oh, for our caretakers, our doctors, our nurses, um, people who like by nature are caring for others in their jobs. Mm-hmm. I think it's like this idea of that you as human beings need care too, whether that's self-care or care from the community. Um, and not just in times of crisis, because you show up in times of crisis, you know, um, for the community. So I think speaking to that, you know, it's really interesting. And I think, I think that perpetuates through a lot of different industries too, that, you know, for there's sure. more awareness now that it's not just about burnout culture and long-term what that can do to our health, mental, physical, emotional, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I think really relationships. So I met my husband in medical school and um, we were both in New York city and we sort of, he's an orthopedic surgeon um, and surgical specialties are even, I mean, they're ruthless really (laughs) in terms of the hours And here we were, you know, we got married uh, during his first year of residency. I was still in medical school and along our relationship as we're, and then we had our daughter a year in and it, we kind of looked around and we were like tracking to this place and this family culture that didn't really align with what brought us together. The things that we loved to do, going to hike, like being active, like spending physical time together. And so we made the decision, uh, which seemed really shocking to our friends and family and colleagues to move to somewhat rural Pennsylvania. And so much of that decision was based on focusing on the health of our family unit, that for each of us to have the space to have careers, but also preserve and protect space to have time together and to raise a family, truly together as equal partners um, and for the wellness, you know, of that union, we needed to prioritize a work environment where we could have that balance. And I think sometimes, and it was hard to step away, you know, New York culture is very go, 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 go. And, you know, I was at Cornell and he was at NYU. So very kind of academically high achieving spaces where most people don't you know, cut out of line to get out, <laughs> to really say, I, I recognize the value and the experience that I had and the training that I had, but I'm kind of tracking to in a place that will ask me to give more energy and prioritize um, my physical, spiritual well-being for it over my family. Wow. And, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it, it, it was very 
it was an easy decision for us to make the execution and sort of against people say, I mean, people were literally like, what are you doing? What yeah. are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? My, my in-laws, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, a lot of people, we, we hit a lot of resistance and our party line was just, it's, it's just for us that, and we've never been in a space where we are closer to each other as a result of the journey that we've taken. And I've, we've had some other things that have happened. Like we had premature twins at 28 weeks and my daughter came home on life support and like all of this stuff. But that commitment that we made early on to really be partners in our union, um, I think that first critical step was getting to a space where we could each hold our own space together. That's incredible. And I think so inspiring and so courageous, like you said, like it's not the typical, right. Cornell, NYU. Oh, we're going to leave the fancy. We're going to leave the bubble. We're going to leave the island. (laughs) Um, And I think maybe more people can relate now after COVID because I feel like COVID really forced people to reprioritize if they had the privilege and the fortune to reprioritize, right. Um, where they want to live, where they want to work, if they want space. I think a lot of people have left cities for, um, more space and more quality of life, but I'm, I just, that again, it's so courageous. And for anyone listening, can you talk us through maybe, um, and I know we want to go into all your work and all of that, but I think this is so interesting. And I think it's a crucial component of courage and wellness where you said, like, we wanted to honor our union and our partnership came first, but how did you block out that noise from your in-laws, from other people who were like, what are you doing? Um, honestly, not well in the beginning, it's hard and it's, it's, it takes practice with yourself and we literally like make lists, like what are our goals? So every new year's Eve, we sit down and recount our wins for the year, you know, things that, and this is a tradition that we started when we, um, first got together and kind of what we improved upon in the year, what didn't go so well. And then like what we hope the next year brings. And so when we were like kind of going through that, you know, when, once we had our daughter, we're like, we want her to just be a kid. You know, we, I want her to just like go run in the front yard. And I, I think there's a lot of pressure that comes in certain environments and recognizing that some of like achievement or like, what are you wearing or how are you dressing or what, what restaurant are you going to? Or, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. And in our heart of hearts, we're kind of like, it just doesn't really matter. Like that's not part of our value system. And very early and often we revisit what is our, what are our values? Are we doing things that are in alignment with our values? Because if we are, then you just kind of weather the storm and you don't argue like we've learned to stop early, like arguing or defending or, cause then that sort of gives weight to someone's opinion that they don't, it doesn't deserve. You can sort of hear it and acknowledge it. And 
um, but it doesn't have to change how you feel. And so I think being able to let it kind of wash over you and say, okay, I still feel really rooted because I know that we've done deep work on this. You know, like yeah. you weren't with us the however many countless hours where we were like, well, these are the things that we could get to do and this is what we'd be giving up. And this is, you know, I love where I live, like my physical home. And it's so meaningful to have our kids, you know, experience that vision that we have that that's my every day. You know, I don't get to go to like the fancy restaurant every day. I can still drive, you know, yeah. two hours to go have that meal. But on my day to day, I am like so happy. That's great. I think that like, as Erica said, living with the courage to kind of follow what feels authentic to you and what are aligned with your value system. And I think it takes people, I think I'm speaking for myself. I think it took me into my early thirties to really like listen to that voice and, and it's still evolving and it's still becoming clearer and clearer. And I do think that sometimes we are conditioned, like you said, to to think that we should want certain things when in fact, maybe our values are different than that. And, mm -hmm. um, and that's okay. And, um, I I'd love to go into like, now that you are in semi-rural Pennsylvania and, um, have started your practice there, which is one skin yeah. dermatology. What, what I love from the research that we've done and, um, have resonated with is like, you're very, inclusive and like overtly so inclusive practice, um, medical practice. And I think that's really amazing for a lot of reasons, but it's also important for a lot of reasons. Like, and I'd love you to speak to that a little bit, a, what inspired you to then open your own practice, but then mm -hmm. creating the kind of practice that you really like envisioned and, and why yeah. you're also like, so vocal about those values as a part of this medical practice, which I think has a special place, especially in the medical community where like historically that's not always been the case. Yeah. And one, I, that's, I've done a lot of marinating on that, that's, that, that for sure. Um, but one thing I don't want to skip over is I've also done a ton of therapy and I, and I, don't want to skip over that because as much as I'm communicating, you know, with my partner and my spouse, I also have always had a therapist or a counselor that helps me communicate with myself. And really like if, if certain themes keep coming up, have, has that perspective to say, Hey, what, well, like kind of what's going on here? How do we, you know, make sure that you're again, like these words, like honoring who you want to be. So I, I know that there's a lot of, um, still, unfortunately, a lot of stigma about mental health and, and seeking help, but I've always felt that therapy has been how I'm able to clarify how I feel. So I think that sort of goes hand in hand with my ability to communicate how I feel with my partner. So, but one skin dermatology was never, it was never in the cards. It just literally wasn't why we moved here. <laughs> so I moved here and I worked um, at a local health system. And pretty early on, I recognized that it was a culture mismatch. And when I say that, um, as a trainee, you don't have, you know, you don't have a say in anything. And you also don't have the opportunity to experience different practice 
settings. I mean, everything is either, you know, outpatient hospital-based or you're physically in the hospital. So my, and you don't really interact with the parts of the health system, i.e. billing, you know, coding, all of the paper pushing parts of medicine until you're out in the world. And so at, I found that very jarring that, you know, I wasn't able to tell someone how much their healthcare costs, you know, in an area that's, everyone should be conscious of how much they're spending in healthcare, but particularly in this area, you know, it's a very blue collar community. And I would do procedures or things or take care of someone I had to bill appropriately. Right. And that would cost somebody like an arm and a leg. Um, Also from an access standpoint, I couldn't make sure that people had access to me to speak to me just the way that it was just very unapproachable. So there were many layers um, that I felt just didn't really allow me to practice the way that I wanted to. And so um, my husband was very supportive. And after 18 months, I, I resigned and made the transition to open my own practice. And when I did, when I made that decision, which was hard to leave employment, <laughs> to, to then decide to open, set up my own little shingle, I thought, I'm going to go for broke. I'm going to just, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to just shoot for the stars and write down on paper all the things that I want this incredible space to be and in the community that I am, what what do I think is my special gift to share? And not just, you know, my expertise in dermatology, but how can I make an impact in a community um, that doesn't necessarily have strong vocal women of color available as role models? And so I'm a I'm mixed race, I'm half black, half white, and I grew up in a very um, homogeneous, you know, town in North Jersey. And I always felt out of place. And it's funny how you track back to your place of comfort, right? When I look at Chambersburg, it in demographically is exactly like where I grew up, and probably very similar in mindset. Although mind you, this is like 30 years ago in New Jersey, so we're a little bit still quite behind the times here. And I thought the things that I felt as a child, um, as an adult, I can do something about that, right? I can, I can reach out into the community and say, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is what I hope to share. Come meet me, come talk to me. I want to be here to support you, if you feel that you're not seen, if you feel that you're not valued, if you feel unsure that someone will accept you for who you are, um, one skin is about your whole, it's your environment, right? We are all here literally one time <laughs> and making the most of that, but also feeling like you're celebrated for your individuality and for your uniqueness. And especially in medical care where things are getting very standardized and homogeneous in, in, in the throughput, right? You sort of like get in the system and then you get worked through the system. Um, I still remember having the same doctor growing up the whole time. And that's becoming very, pretty rare. I think now that someone 
truly has a health partnership with someone who's going to help them. And that's what I wanted to see from a medical standpoint is how do we build partnerships with patients um, and help support all parts of what they need pertaining to their skin health. I think that's incredible. And especially when it comes, right, we're talking about our skin. And I think when dealing with something as personal as your skin and skin issues, and I know Allie can speak to this, but she struggled with cystic acne herself and has a whole journey there um, that she can share in a moment, but it's so personal, right? And if your doctor, it's how the world sees you. I mean, we make judgments about people in an instant based on their appearance and in like a microsecond, you know, you already have from your past experiences, how you see someone in the world, you need to position them. Right. And a lot of people get a snap judgment. That's not, that's not fair. Right. Based on how they look. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, especially when seeking a medical professional, regardless of what, whether it's in, especially when you're dealing with skin, it's very like external, like you're speaking Mm -hmm. to, but, um, want to feel safe. I think there's so much anxiety that can come along with that process, especially for like, you know, I mean, you can, for anybody, but like, you can go into like historical racism within, you know, medicine and things like that. Like there's so much, and sometimes rightfully so like anxiety about the process, but then also your own personal health too. I, you know, it's funny. I, I've never thought about that. Erica brought up my skin stuff, which is true. I did struggle with cystic acne that came on as an adult, was able to heal that. But also I had, um, dermatofibroma sarcoma protuberance. Yes. Mm. And I had three surgeries. Yeah. Mm. On my back. And getting to, you know, having had doctors and physicians that like wanted to treat it differently and like started to treat it differently. And then was like brought over to oncology with like a hole in my back. And it was like this whole thing. And, you know, I just think like when you are able to connect with a practitioner, like you said, where you can have that time or that connection or that space with someone, um, it makes it, even if it's just a couple minutes, it makes such a huge difference in the process, um, whatever the process might be. And mm-hmm. so as someone on the other side of it, I think, or having been on the other side of it, I think, um, yeah, I just think that is invaluable, like an invaluable resource for a patient. I'm curious totally. though, as like, and we'll probably get into this, but as a practitioner and we ask, we've, we've talked to a bunch of practitioners and sort of this comes up a lot though. And you touched on it a little bit, but, um, you do, you are in a role where you give quite a bit. And I would love to also touch on the fact that like in your, um, at least through your social media and stuff, you're very active in your community, yeah. in your chamber of commerce. You're like an engaged advocate, um, an ally. And so you, you do not only as a physician and as someone who opened up your own practice and as a mom of three little ones and as a partner to somebody, um, and as a community, you know, someone who's really engaged in their own community. How do you like avoid your own, fill up your own cup in sort of in that capacity. 
That's a great question. Um, so also I think, well, I'm a Pisces. So like with a cancer moon. So I was just, <laughs> wow. I was, like, I was just like, I'm so glad you shared like, that. I was going to yeah. ask you, I'm so glad you shared that. I was like, what is your astrology? <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm like, I have a very, so my uncle married us. His wife is a shamanic astrologer. Um, and so she's like read my star chart, like it's a thing. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like very, I'm like such a strong Pisces, but the, um, in like, how do you make it all fit and work and, and keep going and fill my own cup when I was in my first position, that was it was that that was the only thing that I could do was show up, you know, work, see tons of patients, spend most of the time after work writing notes. And there wasn't this space to explore and to be engaged and to feel connected um, outside of the very short periods of time that I had with people. And that part of that being like the culture mismatch. When I opened this practice, I wanted to make sure that we had the time and the space to get to like know who you are. And so through that process, we opened four months before COVID. If you can, <laughs> you can imagine. Um, we got to hear lots of stories and meet incredible people and learn things that like I could never have known if we hadn't had the time to just get to know each other as people. And the more that I heard stories and learned about what's going on in the community, just generally, I have created space around our mission of acceptance to be able to be active and be vocal and get engaged and be invited to get engaged. Right. It, it really, this practice has become like a nucleus for one, my social network. <laughs> like I joke that I poach friends out of my practice. Um, but we eventually, a lot of my patients get to the point where they will, you know, accidentally call me Rachel, which I have no problem with. I, I say, if we've gotten to that point where that slips out, like I consider that the highest form of flattery, you know, that, that we're really in this space where you've given me the permission to help take care of you, um, but that you feel that comfort with me. So a lot of like the work that we do or that I'm able to do has come just from creating a space where people feel safe to be seen. So it, I, I don't know that I would have found myself so much in these places where I can be an advocate, where I can be helpful in my role in the community and visible to the extent that I am without first have having, like having made that frame shift of saying, I'm doing this because I know it's the best thing for me. It's scary as hell, <laughs> but I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to dream it up and it will work out, you know, trusting the process that it's coming from an honest place. And, you know, we not only did I have the courage to do that, my two team members that started with me, they left their, we were all employed together. My nurse, and my scheduler, I asked them if they wanted to leave with me. <laughs> I had a dream and some floor plans and, um, and they said, yes. And so they had the courage to believe in my vision that we could do for this community and fill a space that that didn't exist. 
Um, and it sort of opened this Pandora's box and it's been so cool. Yeah, that is so cool. And I'd love, I definitely want to like touch on and unpack opening <laughs> right before COVID and how you were able to manage that, right? Like how was that able to have, like, how did you function and survive? Did it become virtual? Are you doing virtual? How, I guess it's so interesting because it's also making me think like back to the beginning when we talked about you and your husband having the courage to live life for yourselves based on your values. I'm sure I'm, this might be a reach, but I'm sure that when you live your life for yourself and you live your life authentically and courageously, um, I'm sure it didn't make it easy, but maybe it prepared you for that moment when life threw that big wrench in your plans. <laughs> the uh, COVID was a terrible time for everyone, right? Like I'm not the gravity of the pandemic um, is intense. We had had our own like personal catastrophe about two and a half years prior. So as I mentioned, um, 2017, July 20th, my, my twins were born prematurely. They were two and a half pounds and two pounds, five ounces. And um, they were two pound babies. I mean, <laughs> we're in the NICU. My son was in the NICU for two and a half months and he um, he's blind in his right eye. And he's we wouldn't have known it then, but he is like, the most perfect daredevil child you could imagine, none the wiser that he can only see out of his left eye. And my daughter came home at four and a half months um, out of the NICU, pegged and traked and on 24 hour ventilator support. So, and we we basically left AMA from the hospital, um, but they only let us do that, I think because we were physicians and because if they had to see me for another day, they were, gonna, I don't know, <laughs> kick me out. But I knew that we could do it. There was just, it's like un, unflappable. We bring our children home and it, they will be safe. And so you kind of, you write the story, right? You decide what the outcome is going to be, and then you make it happen. And I think as a Pisces, as a creative, you know, that that space to play and just at least knowing where my North star is, I know I'll figure it out. Um, I don't pretend to have the rule book. I think it's been an advantage to not know in my particular circumstance because it allows me to lean into like my actual knowing, you know, what are the things that I know about myself? What are the things that I know and I feel from my team? What am I hearing in the exam room from, from people, from patients and in these conversations about what's needed, you know, about who doesn't feel welcomed? Um, how do we make them feel more welcome? And, and so, you know, with the pandemic and starting, you know, four months earlier, there was a, there was fear in starting. And so in that fear, I let some people guide how we opened, right? Like I had hired a consultant to kind of like help me get to that point and taken some advice that didn't really resonate with me, but I'm like, well, I've never done business. Like I should be doing the way, it the way that people do it. And, and it just, it just didn't, it felt icky and it didn't feel right. And so with the pandemic, it was kind of nice to slow down and, and just be like, oh, well, 
we'll just kind of like figure it out. And that's what we did. The three of us just showed up and sometimes we'd see like one person or two people in a full day. And we would just like kick it and say, well, where do we go from here? <laughs> and so now we have, you know, my next appointment is like two and a half months out. Wow. So it's, and we've hired a team and I have a, it's, it's listening to the knowing. And I think sometimes you need, it needs to be quiet and the pandemic allowed for space, forced quiet. And we got real intentional about what are we here for? What are we needed for? And how can we show up? And then we just showed up and we kept showing up and we kept being there. We kept loving on the people and figured out, you know, what are we competing on the basis of even, right? Like who's our market? Who's our, who's our people? And how do we, you know, write them a love letter to come and see us. And so part of that is letting them know who we are being really open and saying, anybody is welcome here. Any and everybody is welcome here. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper-clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand that offers a wide variety of non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products that will make you feel nourished inside and out. Their online boutique also offers products from other top brands, including Osea Malibu, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, and more. Some of our favorite products include Milk and Honey's Baking Soda Free Aluminum Free Deodorant and Lavender Tea Tree, which I have been exclusively using for years. I also love Milk and Honey's Gel Cleanser and Osea's Body Oil and Vegas Nerve Oil, which activates the body's relaxation response and helps regulate stress. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee. And even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout. And there's also a direct link in our show notes. Part of, like I said, our mission is is supporting those that might not be able to support themselves or might not have the safety from their vantage point to to disagree or and it was kind of an interesting thing with the chamber because that was the first sort of community engagement act and it happened so like by accident like somebody was like oh 
did you hear about this? I heard that you're a member of the chamber. And I was like, I did not. And I can't be a member if this is <laughs> like, people just said, you joined the chamber. Of course you joined the chamber. And I'm like, I'm going to join the chamber. And like, I didn't even know what I was joining. And so I think we, we sort of give our power or our decision-making energy away to people because we're afraid to own it and be like, that's just not for me. So if it's okay, it's, a, I'm totally fine if that's okay for you, but it's like not okay for me. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think, well, thank you for sharing that. I think, um, like you said, with the pandemic, the silver lining in it for some, for some was the forced pause. Um, even though it's obviously a, a devastating sort of period of time, but there were also like, I think some gifts in it too. And I, I can totally relate to that where it's like that slowing down to then just like have some space to listen to yourself or, um, can get in touch with what you're actually feeling or resonating with. I'm curious, do you, and you know, feel free to share whatever or nothing, <laughs> you know, whatever you feel comfortable with, but do you have, um, any kind of practice that you do that like a spiritual practice of any kind, whether formal or not, because I'm wondering how you cultivate the skill to be able to connect yourself. I know you mentioned doing therapy, which is like mm -hmm. a, a very helpful aspect of that, but I'm, I'm just curious if you have, um, a practice that helps you connect to that sort of inner sense of knowing that you talked about. I'm a very, like, I'm a very visual person. I, I mean, I guess that's kind of how I found myself in dermatology at the end of medical school, but I, I take time, like dreams, particularly like that period of time right before you fall asleep and that period of time when you first wake up, um, I work a lot of stuff out in mm. visuals in dreaming. And so if something keeps coming up, it sort of allows me to say, I really need to pay attention to this. Um, some, and certain things mean certain things. Like, for example, I have a dream where I can never get out the house. Like I'm, I'm just like trying and like hours are going by and I'm supposed to be somewhere and I just can't get out of the house. So if I get that dream, for example, I know I'm feeling really anxious and there, and I should start like paying attention to what is causing me anxiety. And then I have to look, and sometimes it's making a list or, you know, talking to my husband or doing the hard thing that I know that I've been avoiding doing, um, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm very like believe in some sort of energy that exists that's higher than us. And I'm not sure what to call him or her, uh, but, but being intentional about spending some time and typically it's just quiet, like thinking pictures in my head. That's kind of how I get in touch with myself. That's so cool. I think like you're so inspiring in your outlook, the way you honor yourself in your, just kind of the way you live your life. I'm so inspired by you. I think you're so cool. I get why your patients all want to be your friend because you have this great energy about yourself. And I think, again, it comes from just living your truth so authentically and, and not just for yourself, but for your community as well. Um, but with that, to switch gears a little bit, even though it's yeah. in the same way, I'd love to talk about skin health, you know, for any of our listeners, like we touched on, it's so personal and yes, it, it can feel when you're, when you're struggling with your skin, 
it can really feel so difficult because like we said, it's what we're presenting to the world. Um, so do you have, I don't know if we can go over any of maybe of the basics of skin health or anything yeah. you recommend. I know everyone has different skin, so it might be hard to do this, but, um, kind of some basic recommendations of how we should all be caring for our skin health. Yeah. I think I, that's something that comes up obviously a lot. Um, and so I think the, the concept starting outside in is that your skin, if you're seeing something that you don't expect to see is a representation of what's going on in your body, right? That, um, it really, you know, it's our, yes, it's our largest organ, but the skin has an immune system. The skin, you know, is protective. The skin helps, you know, like, am I, you know, should I, am I feeling afraid, right? The hair goes up on the back of your neck. So, so being in touch with kind of what is your normal and what is not normal. And if something's out of balance, kind of first taking an internal stock, like, am I sleeping well? Am I drinking enough water? How am I treating what I'm putting into my body? Right. Um, from like a global sense, then kind of nuts and bolts, like how, um, to manage just general skincare, the first thing is, especially this is for all ages, it is so much easier to prevent issues than to correct. And so we talk about skin health prevention, you know, protection from UV radiation is like number one through three. So I, I don't think that that point or that concept gets hammered home enough. We're always trying to, you know, improve, be better this. And it's like, if you did nothing other than sunscreen hats protection, you would be like so much better off than any product that you're going to buy period, the end. And that's like the unpopular opinion, but it's the truth. Um, but beyond that, I think a lot of it comes down to what are your values in choosing a skincare routine, right? So there are about 10,000 skincare products. And I talk to my patients about this too. You know, I think the first is what, what is in it, right? It, is it important to you to have something that is like organic or vegan or like what sort of markers of brand are important to you? Because the beauty industry is unregulated. So that we know. Um, and so you sort of need to be able to lean into the trust of a brand. And I would start there, right? And I think people tend to overdo. So for a just basic routine, a gentle cleanser, you know, is really important in the morning. You're going to want to, you don't need anything harsh. You just washed your face the night before. So I, in the morning, really just use water. Honestly, I just kind of splash and I tend to have, um, slightly oily skin, but pretty neutral overall and antioxidant is what I'll use in the morning. I think that's critically important, especially when we're talking about, um, being mindful of youth preserving skincare routines. And you, what is an antioxidant just in case, what are some examples? Yeah. Yeah. So like vitamin C, kojic acid, vitamin E, those are all examples of antioxidants. And the way that 
visually I think about antioxidants is UV radiation from the sun creates inflammation in the skin. That inflammation in the form of free radicals activates our pigment producing cells called, you know, our melanocytes. That's what causes brown spots, right? That inflammation also knocks into our blood vessels, which causes them to dilate. That's when people get like the little red fine lines, overall ruddiness, you know, maybe some pink papules on the face. And then that inflammation also bumps into our collagen and over time degrades the collagen, which contributes to kind of like that sagginess that can happen in the skin, that crepiness, not really supporting that epidermis. So an antioxidant is the first thing that I put on the skin after cleansing, either with water or gentle cleanser that helps to be more resilient in the face of UV radiation. So as an active, that's really, I think the best morning active is something that has antioxidants in it. In the evening using a retinol or retinoid. And the only difference is a retinoid is like ready to go prepackaged for your skin to use. A retinol needs to go through a, an enzymatic process in the skin for the skin to be able to use it. And retinoids or retinols, they accelerate cell turnover. So as we get older, the skin cells kind of hang on to the skin a little bit longer. That gives that very dull appearance that people don't really like. And then it also helps to support and nurture the collagen for rebuilding. So it's your workhorse kind of anti-aging anti ingredient. Do you have a brand you like that you would want to share? <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I love Skin Better as my like actives. And then there's actually a brand, it's called Pete Ribco that, um, is very environmentally conscious, really green ingredient ingredients, very clean. So I like them as my like neutral cleanser exfoliant with jojoba beads. It's very nice. Thank you. I think it's always good to get uh, recommendations too, especially for like you know, Eric and I try to do from like just a holistic health perspective, try to yeah. avoid, um, I think I'm pretty sensitive to that too. Cause I've had skin issues before, um, especially like randomly feeling like they were popping up. Although now that I understand more about, um, sort of like systemic inflammation and how things can manifest in the skin sometimes. And for me, they have, um, yeah. but so that I just try to definitely huge. Yeah. Too with yeah. that. So a lot of patients that struggle, particularly with rosacea or psoriasis, mm -hmm. but rosacea as the most common kind of face condition tied to gut health. Um, yeah. a lot of that inflammation there and like H pylori and SIBO yeah. and just kind of doing a thorough, like, how are you feeling? You know, just in general, like forget your skin, just like, how are you feeling? What are the things that you're eating? Yeah. You know, how are you moving? top to bottom things moving. Yeah. Um, all really important to ask if you're thinking about a patient in like a very 360 view. Um, I think dermatology as a practice has unfortunately been moving towards a very like script and go, at least in the traditional system. And I, I think that's unfortunate. You know, I think that there's so much more to the story of skin diseases and skin health and maintenance of skin health that you need to have the space to, to really dig into somebody's habits. What, what are they doing? How are they taking care of themselves? Yeah. 
Absolutely. And thank you for, you know, sharing some of the things. I think thinking about skin from a holistic standpoint too, that it's, it's so deeply connected to everything else that's going on. And it's just sometimes what we can see on the surface that comes up not, you know, we talk about this all the time, but I think sometimes like historically Western medicine compartmentalizes the body. Um, well, honestly, it's a, it's a function of how, um, payment is doled out. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, (laughs) if, um, if there was a higher value on having a system that was interconnected and truly looked at parts of the whole together that was valued monetarily, like it would have evolved in that way, but the way the pay, yeah, the payer system, it's like, now I think you can't even go and see your primary except for like one problem. Right. And then you have to make us, it's like, you're the well visit or you're the sick visit or you're this, but, but it's like the, I didn't leave the other part of me at home. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm here. We did a really interesting episode with these um, female doctors who treat endometriosis and they mm-hmm. really touched on the fact of the limitations of insurance and healthcare and what they want to do versus what liability insurance allows them to do and different things like that. But, um, I'm curious, sorry, this is back to a product recommendation question. I'm so interested. I'm like, I want to, when you mentioned sunscreen as well, right. You said that's like, or UV protection is so important. Do you also have a recommendation for our audience on one that you like or recommend? Yeah. So sunscreen, again, I think you kind of play within textures within, um, price point, you know, what feels comfortable. There are 5,000 sunscreens for the 10,000 skincare products. Um, but as a blanket, you know, what should I be looking at when I'm reading a label? I recommend mineral sunscreens over chemical sunscreens. The difference being that a mineral sunscreen is going to have zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. It's going to lay directly on the skin. So it will reflect the UV radiation. A chemical sunscreen has to be absorbed into the skin in order for the body to use it to offset the radiation that comes in. So just from a, you know, what is I think better for the health of the skin, definitely mineral sunscreen. When you're looking at the SPF, you want it to at least be SPF 30. And the reason is the sun protective factor curve between 15 and 30 is super steep. So you really do get significantly more protection Mm -hmm. at 30 than at 15. If we're looking at 30 versus hundred, it's not a huge, you're, you're at the asymptote of the curve. So you don't have to, I wouldn't say you have to prioritize higher than 30, but at a minimum 30. The two over-the-counter ones that I really like, Neutrogena has a pure screen um, that's SPF 50 of the daily moisturizer. I think it rubs in pretty well for a mineral sunscreen. Um, and then Avino has an ultra calming line that also a daily moisturizer SPF 30 or above. So for like every single day to make it easy in your routine, I think those two are the ones that I recommend the most. Um, they're also helpful or they don't leave a cast on me. So it's okay for like skin of color. I think it rubs in really nicely. It's also a very approachable price point, both of them, um, from a, like, what do I use on a daily basis? Um, because I've tried a bunch and what do I like? Sente has a tinted mineral sunscreen. 
that works really nicely with my complexion and that gives me like a nice dewy look. I prefer dewy to matte, but again, I think the the big take homes are like, you want it to be mineral ideally, and then um, SPF 30 or above and something that you're going to use every day. So I think particularly women, um, men too, but in some ways it's a little bit easier to coerce them. It's, we don't want to spend the money on a, it's like, it's a sunscreen. Like it's not the sunscreen you're going to like score all over your body at the beach. Like nobody cares if you're covered in like a white cast at the beach, right? Everybody's covered in a white cast. But if you're concerned about some of the changes that we see over time from, you know, as part of the aging process, the sun creates 99% of those changes. So it is worthwhile to spend, you know, $45 on a sunscreen if you're going to use it every single day because it's your foundation for makeup or it just makes you feel good or brings something to the texture and tone of your skin. That's a worthwhile investment. Yeah. Thank you so much. Those are good practical recommendations, which we always love to include in our episodes. So, um, Wow. I feel like this is like completely flown by, but as we, and I'm sure we could talk for hours, but, um, we do have a few questions for you that we ask all of our guests as we begin to wrap up. And, um, the first one we've touched on a little bit, but, uh, if there's anything you want to expand on, it's how do you take care of yourself within the context of your day? So what does your self-care on a daily basis look like? I guess, starting with sunscreen in the morning, (laughs) but, um, yeah. What is, yeah. What are your daily non-negotiables for yourself? I spend like 30 minutes just awake in my bed. I, I do. I like every single day, my husband gets up at five. I'm usually up by like five 15. And so five 15 till sometimes I'll get till six. I just kind of chill. And that's how I like to start because I know that as soon as I get out of bed, it's like literally go, 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 go between getting the kids ready and everything in between, getting them to school, running into the office, getting home for dinner, whatever it is. So I carve out that time when I first wake up in the morning to just try to give myself a little bit of Zen. Um, My husband does make me coffee and brings me my coffee. And so I have my coffee in the morning and that that to me feels like it's just sacred protected time. Like I do it every day, um, throughout the day, something that the pandemic really got me off track with is drinking my water. (laughs) So staying hydrated, it seems simple, but in, in medicine, you know, you're basically like a camel. You're never allowed to drink any water because then you don't have time to pee. And then you don't, and I'm, And as soon as I left and started this practice, I was like, I refuse to be running around just like dry, but that's, I feel worse when I'm dehydrated. I get like hangry, hungry, you know, I don't feel even. And so making sure that I'm keeping myself hydrated. And if I have to go to the bathroom, I go to the bathroom. That sounds so weird, but, (laughs) but people don't, I mean, ask, ask any nurse that works at any hospital, (laughs) you know, you're just like not allowed to to go. So those two things, they seem like really silly things, but it, it means a lot to myself to just take the time to do that. And I don't overload my schedule. I have an incredible team that forces me (laughs) to, to create and keep white space. Um, and that's been a process of learning because when you hit that 
that wall of just being feeling like we're not having fun anymore. You know, like, like we've, we're past the point where we're not really having fun. And we've had a couple of points in our business where we look around or I look around and I'm like, nobody's having fun where we need to tweak something because we've like let things go. Um, so really checking in the barometer of my team and making sure that everyone is able to have like their best day is important. Um, and we just have a blast. I mean, I love coming to work every day. <laughs> Thank you so. for sharing that. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Um, our second question that we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you? Being courageous to me means, and I'm going to touch a little bit on my brother, um, who, as I mentioned, recently passed, but he sort of really put the exclamation point on this for me. And being courageous means having the courage to live, like not to wait for something to happen to live, but to, in the moment, be living you know, and, um, my brother passed of cancer, but he, to his very last breath lived, I mean, his entire life, he lived and he didn't live as a person with stage four cancer. He lived as Nicholas and he was literally employed, like worked the entire time. His team came in droves to just like celebrate his contributions. And that was just him. He was like, I love doing, I love working in this role, in this capacity and contributing. And I I think for me, that was just so incredible to see and to say every day that I wake up and I get to live, gosh, it's my responsibility to do that. And that takes courage. And sometimes that's hard. And sometimes that's setting boundaries and not listening to the noise or standing up and saying, you can't say that to me in front of an entire (laughs) community. Um, But all of those things give me strength that if I don't do it, then I'm not really honoring my duty, which is to live. Thank you. That's a great, beautiful answer. Um, Okay. The final question is if you have a book recommendation for our listeners and it can be literally on anything. It can be on something that's just meant something to you um, at any, any sort of point in your journey. Yeah. A book that really like knocked it out of the park for me is by Maho Malfino and it's called Breaking the Good Girl Myths. And it was just like, oh, <laughs> um, And it talks about the, you know, society as the patriarchy and how as women, you are, you are collectively raised by a society for certain roles and it's imperceptible. I mean, it's just, we live in a male dominated society and how do you one recognize the system that you're being developed in and two take action to decide is this what I want to be participating in, right? It's the normative. So if you don't have awareness of it, you really can't um, have agency in it. And so that, just that concept of being able to deconstruct, you know, how, 
how the greater society views women and how to, I don't know, I think thrive and be intentional about your position in the world as a woman just was very powerful for me. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really appreciate you sharing your story and your work and your courage. So um, if anyone wants to follow you or if they're in your area and wants to work with you, where can they do so? Yes. So um, you can follow me on Instagram at lovemyoneskin. And if you're ever in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, looking for a dermatologist or skin health and wellness center, you can find me there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.